it's so sad and scary to me that like it feels like there are limited inroads. It's like, well, we only have four chairs here for women. You know what I mean? So it's going to be, you know, women become gatekeepers without even meaning to because we're all just trying so hard to just like exist and have a voice and have the right. And it's just a bummer because then it turns it into this like weird competitive and that's just not helpful or loving or anything. And hopefully at some point, you know, like our collective voice and collective presence just becomes loud enough that it floods the thing as opposed to trying to squeeze in through this tiny side door and stay relevant. That was Maddie Diaz, and this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission. To turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations, Shiro's is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss challenges and triumphs, how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. I'm Carmel Holt. Singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer Maddie Diaz grew up in Pennsylvania Dutch country, not far from Philadelphia, where she would eventually go as a teenager to catch as many shows as she could. Inspired by bands like Hole, Bikini Kill, and La Tigra, Maddie switched from piano to guitar, and then in what you'll hear her describe as her more floral moments, discovered more country and singer-songwriter music. After a couple of years at Berklee College of Music, Maddie self-released her debut album Skin and Bones in 2007, dropped out of school and made her way to Nashville via New York City. And while articles and interviews with Maddie now read like a musician's fairy tale, Maddie Diaz on touring with Harry and antiquing with Casey. The Harry in this fairy tale is, in fact, Harry Styles, and her bestie is Casey Musgraves. It took 14 years from that first album, a move from Nashville to Los Angeles and back to Nashville, three more albums plus three EPs, until finally... In 2021, Maddie Diaz landed a record deal with Anti Records, put out her fifth full-length album, the critically hailed breakup album History of a Feeling, and finally, to use music industry speak, broke through. A couple years later, Harry Styles did hear Maddie on a playlist and invited her to not only open some of his shows, but join his band as a backing vocalist. Now, after standing on some of the biggest stages in the world with one of its biggest pop stars, Maddie Diaz has returned with her sixth full-length album with a title that perfectly sums up finding the courage to fall in love again and sticking it out in the music industry. It's called Weird Faith, and just before she released the album, Maddie stopped by to chat about the new album, her journey, and perspectives that she's gained along the way. I'm so thrilled to welcome Maddie Diaz as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Maddie Diaz, welcome to Shiro's. Hi. Holy shit, your record, Weird Faith, is coming out. Yep, it what is. What are the feels? I think I'm just psyched, actually. I think at this point, I just feel psyched. And I, I feel like I'm still in preparation mode because that's like how I can survive anything and I'm just like living in list land and (laughs) and like and like drinking a lot of water like just like trying to like hydrate myself to the point of no return (laughs) so important yeah no I feel I feel Mm -hmm. really excited I'm a little nervous I think like as everything has come out you know like the first single releasing like same risk I was like amazing. I'm ready. Let us show the world. And then like, don't do me good was like friendship, camaraderie. Like we're together alone. Like I have a friend with me and that's amazing. And then everything almost came out and I was like, oh shit, this record's really personal. I forgot about it. Um, And it kind of like knocked me sideways a little bit. So, you know, I feel like I've tasted a little bit of like, you know, the extreme side of each feeling. And so now I'm just kind of like, I'm open. I'm open. Let's see what happens. We've been experiencing this like peeling of the layers of the onion is what yes. you're saying. Like stakes have gotten higher. A little bit. Each sub- <laughs> little bit. It's little hitting bit. it's hitting a little bit closer to home as each day yeah. passes. Like what is about to Yeah. And I'm really I'm just excited to to do the touring thing. That's really like that's where it kind of comes to life for me. Now, I don't want to focus on the Harry Styles thing, but you got a lot out of doing that tour. 
And I'm curious about the relationship that you have with taking the very vulnerable personal and bringing it to a stage, especially one of that size. Did it shift anything for you having that experience? I mean, certainly. I think it would be crazy to discount that on any level. Yeah, I think by the time I got asked to open the shows for Harry, I had already finished writing Weird Faith and just hadn't hit the studio with it yet. We hadn't recorded anything when he asked me to open some shows in Toronto for him. And I had never played a stadium in my life. I actually, I did sing backups one time for Miranda Lambert at like a couple of like really crazy like stadium shows when she was on tour with Kenny Chesney and like her regular background vocalist like couldn't make like a week of shows and she just like called me out of nowhere. I mean, I had sang on her last record so it wasn't like totally out of the blue, but I mean, I was never expecting anything like that. So I had like stood on a stage in some capacity doing that like a couple of times before, but you know, it it almost has like nothing to do with like performing your own music in that capacity and like the ceiling is so much like both physically and metaphorically higher (laughs) when you're like doing something like that you know like it's such a weird thing to realize like how much more room there is you know for your voice like for my voice like vocally to be able to just sing out like that and to know that I'm you know really hitting the back of the wall you know like hundreds of feet away is a crazy feeling thousands of feet away And so, you know, when I did go into the studio with Sam Cohen and start the record, I'm sure that that was just, you know, marinating in there. And I do think that, you know, the difference between this record and the last record, like, you know, both records are inward facing records, introspective records. But I think like history of a feeling sonically is still much more internal grieving and healing and questioning and that kind of stuff. And then Weird Faith is kind of a lot more like outward facing. Like it's, you know, kind of like talking to another person still internally, but like, you know, trying to make this a conversational thing. And yeah, I don't know, like having the opportunity to sing those songs in a stadium was, you know, it just kind of mirrored where I was at, which is like really weird and cool. And yeah, what the hell? (laughs) I kind of just got chills when you were saying that because that makes so much symbolic sense, like (laughs) to go from, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, of course, like the grieving, that's natural. It should be internal. It should be more introverted. Yeah. And like, also what a risk. So brave of you to step into that arena. Like, I would be fucking terrified to do that. Um, (laughs) You know, and then you do it and you have that visceral experience. Like, I love when a physical experience can also be such a perfect metaphor for, like, the metaphysical, the psychological, like, your voice reaching that far and opening up in that way. I'm getting chills right now. It's like sets up this album so perfectly. It's amazing. (laughs) No, I'm really, I feel, it's just so wild, like, feeling in my body and brave enough to like want to ask those questions out loud and, you know, like talk about these things out loud and then actually having, you know, the space and the audience to like, to do that is just like, what, how did, how did this, I mean, and you know, like I'm actually like a pretty introverted person. Like I can fake my extrovertedness like pretty well. I feel like, I feel like my anxiety creates my extroverted (laughs) And I, I feel grateful for that. You know what I mean? Like my anxiety is the thing, like, it's like my body takes over and it's just like, nope, you're going to walk into the center of this thing and hear all these people. And my introvertedness is like, okay, totally. I'm just going to let you run the show for an hour and then I'm going to run backstage (laughs) and just change into my sweatpants and pass out because I'm exhausted. (laughs) Oh my God. Let's play a song. What makes sense here? Like if you were to meet somebody fresh to your music and fresh to this album, what would be like the best entry point, do you think? I think for this particular record and the reason that I put it at the top of the record would be same risk. I think it's a little bit of a heavy buy-in maybe, but you know, I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm about that right now. (laughs) I'm like, come on in or don't. (laughs) Anything you want to tell us about this song before we go into it? This song 
And, you know, much of this record, but I think this song does it really well, or I hope does it really well. All of these songs are kind of written in these like really intense reactive moments of like having a feeling with somebody else, having a feeling for somebody else and like just wondering if you're the only one kind of standing in it or if it's just a, if it's a mutual thing, if you guys are, you know, meeting in the middle with this feeling or if I'm just like standing in the room all by myself, just like having my feelings out loud. <laughs> are we both naked? Like, am I taking my clothes off and you're taking your clothes? Are we taking them off at the same time? Or like, am I just, am I naked? Oh no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm naked. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> all that I'm asking is, are we taking the same risk? Cause I'm standing here naked, saying you could have it. Maddie Diaz is our guest today on Shiro's. The new album is Weird Faith. It's her sixth full-length album and her 10th overall. And I think it's important to say that out loud so that people know that it didn't just start with 2021. <laughs> History of a Feeling was a big album for you, but you've been at this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because, you know, I was somewhere in the social media wormhole recently and read the comment section of like a stereo gum, you know, talking about like Grammy nominations, like for best new artist. And somebody said something about like, why is so-and-so up for best new artist? Like I heard him like 10 years ago doing X, Y, Z. And I was just like, man, nobody's new at this. Nobody in that arena is new at this. It's just not a thing. I mean, like, you know, when Feist posted, you know, it was a few years ago that was the 10-year the anniversary of Reminder and, you know, her kind of huge Best New Artist moment at the Grammys. And she did a really beautiful post about, you know, like how much work, how much footwork and how big the village is behind the scenes of something that eventually ends up with the title of Best New Artist, which is, you know, it's obviously amazing to get acknowledgement in that arena and, the title of it is a bit funny to me. <laughs> I like, know. One of the things that needs reinvention. Right. I think, it's like, uh, it's like. On uh, the award show. Yeah. The best new artist as far as our awareness is concerned. <laughs> best new discovery to there us. There we go. This um, is <laughs> like best campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't right. know. Yeah. Because we're workshopping. Let's call that what it is. We are. We're workshopping. workshopping. But thank God that they did away with best female artist. (sighs) I that made me so upset for so long. And so many other people like I'm not alone, obviously. Why not just go there? Like, how does that hit you when somebody's talking about your music or about your skills or about anything that you do and they place your gender in front of it? It's never been something that I've wanted to highlight that is absolutely not like what comes first in my mind. I don't wake up in the morning and go like, I'm a woman and then go on with my day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a woman and walk out the door. I'm a woman and then sit down in my chair. Like, it's like, so why is that? You know what I mean? Why does that have to be on the list of a bajillion things that I am and that I contain and that I move into the world with like why is that yeah I don't know like I have a face and onward I think it's hard too because I don't not want to talk about or not want to be vulnerable and open with how I think things have maybe like been different for me as a woman operating in this space 
but I definitely, I don't think that it's relevant as far as my artistry is concerned. 100% agree. Yes. <laughs> and that's why I created this space. And it's interesting because also I always feel like it's important to make clear to my guests that like, it's actually the opposite of wanting to like celebrate women in music. Like, Honestly, I would love to see it get to a point where we don't need the gender portion of the in music. Nobody says men in music. Nobody says best male artist or best. Gosh, you've got to hear this new male artist that we just signed to our label. Like, I don't want to hear that anymore. It's Um, so unfortunate. It's like, ooh, aren't you more impressed now that we all know that she's a woman? (laughs) Yeah, totally. No. (laughs) How do you feel now? I don't know. What? (laughs) How? But I also feel like because it is still a thing, I feel like I need to have this space because there is no other forum really that I know of that we can like talk it all out in a public way that then can hopefully start to raise awareness, like, yo, like, this is still an issue. You may be seeing, like, women are ruling the Grammys, like, speaking of the Grammys, but, right. like, it's the same four people all yep. the time. Yep, 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 yep. I know. Oh, boy, don't even get me started there. <laughs> Why? This <laughs> is what we're here for. Come on. Well, it's it's hard, you know. I think, like, it's so sad and scary to me that, like, it feels like there are limited inroads as far as like it's like well we only have four chairs here for women you know what I mean so it's gonna be you know women become gatekeepers without even meaning to because we're all just trying so hard to just like exist and have a voice and have the right and it's just a bummer because then it turns it into this like weird competitive and that's just not helpful or loving or anything and hopefully at some point you know like our collective voice and collective presence just becomes loud enough that it floods the thing as opposed to trying to squeeze in through this tiny side door and stay relevant. Boo. I think that that's the key. (laughs) I know, ew. I think that's the key, though. It's just like strength in numbers, like the whole scarcity thing. And like, I'm not going to come unless she can come too. And unless she can come and she can come and she can come. Like, fuck this. Exactly. Fuck this. And I think that it's like, We have to be so mindful and it sucks because it's like, right, like the key to freedom always like rests on the shoulders of the oppressed. You know what I mean? It's like we have to do the emotional labor and the physical, literal labor in order to make sure that not only are we kicking our own doors down, but then we hold the door open long enough to reach our arm back and bring the others with us. Yep. Well, and it's this other thing too, where it's like, if you do it by yourself, it's like so much more worthy of the accolades rather than like, if you do it with your village. And like, I don't think anybody does this shit alone. Anybody. And like the idea that like, there's only room enough for one woman, you know, just like continues to make this thing so that like she can't bring, you know what I mean? Like this whole wonderful team of people with her, with me out into the front lines. And that just, I don't know, it just bums me out. Like this whole thing takes so much work. We should be able to like, there is enough. It's like all boats rise. You know what I mean? Like there is enough totally. for everybody. There's no limit to like the love and joy and acceptance. And you know what I mean? Like there's no cap on it. I wish that we didn't feel like, you know, or I wish I didn't feel like there was a limit there. We have to remove our own limits. I think that's totally. the key. One way that we do it is by taking ownership, finding agency in all ways of our art. You've done so with this record as executive producer. I saw that. I took notes. <laughs> Thank you. And I said, okay, that looks like an intentional move. Talk to us about it. Is this the first time that you have put executive producer next to your name on an album? You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know the answer. I feel like I've always felt like the executive producer of the thing. Maybe mm-hmm. th- this could possibly be the first time that I like wanted to put the words around it. I don't know Mm -hmm. why I thought maybe it was important to say it out loud. But yeah, I mean, because it does take the village, there's a little bit of me that goes like, 
well, what gives you the right to be the executive producer of, and then I'm like, of your project, <laughs> of your project that has your name on it. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'll tell right, you no, what. No, no, that's okay. It's okay. It's, it's really like the word of 2024 for me is permission. And I think I'm trying to like push myself a little bit to own myself a little bit more and like own the ship that, you know, I've been building for the last 15 years call it what it is and call it mine. And it is absolutely still ours 100%. But, you know, when it comes to the creation of the thing, when it comes to the creation of the vessel that like carries all of us forward, like, yeah, man, like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta choose this guy because I love him the most. And I gotta choose like this team of women because I think they're the best. And like, I gotta, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to like give myself the agency to make the decisions and give myself the agency to make my art, you know? Fuck yeah to that. Yes. And not feel like the product no. of like a bunch of things happening to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not like feel like the product of like somebody letting me into a room or like the product of like this guy putting a microphone in front of my face. Like, no, like I hired you to put the microphone in front of my face because like this is how I saw this playing out. End of story. End of story. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because by the way, both things can be true, right? Like, totally. Yes. You're not going to hear any man apologizing for owning their thing and taking direction for it and right? inviting people in to collaborate that they curated and that they put together. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm actually, should I take? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> right, I'm sorry. I, is no, it it's still fine. mine. Is it's it OK fine. if like, it's mine? <laughs> is it OK? Because, I mean, I know you did a lot. It's OK. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's that doesn't really that doesn't happen. And and that's fine. Like, they yeah. shouldn't. And But nor should we. Right. Also, like, I was thinking about when you said the vessel, like, I was thinking about motherhood and creation and not to get all, like, woo-woo, witchy about it, but let's do it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> creative power is, like, one of our gifts as women. And women can birth babies that then other people take turns helping to raise but still you're the mom yeah yeah <laughs> like at yep. the end of the day Man, that's you're great. the one that fucking <laughs> carried that thing for nine months and labored and gave birth you know yeah so, i love that same z's same thing maddie diaz <laughs> is our guest today on shiro's her new album is weird faith where should we go next i would love to play kill fuck mary I would yes. love to play KFM. I mean, it ha it hasn't had a moment yet, and it's just such a fun, <laughs> it's a fun, like, angry, hilarious little song. <laughs> also, a fellow upstate New Yorker, Jenny Owen Young, wrote it with me. Oh, my God, I love her. She's been on this show. She's the best. I fucking love her. She's the fucking best. She's I love her. Best. We had the best time. She's hilarious. She's such a yeah. force. So fun. Okay, so is there anything more that we need to know or should know or you want to tell us about KFM before we go into it? And I'm going to have to, like, figure out – you don't have a radio version of this, do you? No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to, like – will you give me permission to bleep where I need Absolutely. to for the radio? Okay, cool. Absolutely. You're going to have to just bleep it the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Which will I be mean, fucking hilarious also. It's – literally everywhere and it's funny i mean when we were recording this in the studio i was like it's too bad because this does feel very radio friendly like in a sense and then all i do is say the f word the entire time and thusly you know it's not really the friendliest radio song but i don't know man like jenny and i wrote it in the throes of like my ex and i were just kind of starting to like argue for the first time you know everybody hits like that mode where it's like everything is amazing we don't We've never fought, which is so crazy. And then it's like the floodgates open and then it's just that. And even in our arguments, though, they were just like so hilarious. They were just so ridiculous in the beginning that it was kind of like, how is it that I can contain like so much rage at a person and still want to spend the rest of my life with them? How? How? We contain multitudes, Maddie. We contain <laughs> a multitudes. <laughs> Piss me off except for when you're not I don't want you to start making me Thinking it's so hot I don't know what you want Until your hands are on my body I wanna make it to the end of the movie I don't wanna fall 
with all that you give to me. I don't know if I wanna kill for marry you forever. God, I wanna kill for marry you forever. I'm not even about finding somebody better. Think I wanna kill for marry you forever, forever. Maddie Diaz here with us on Shiro's. That's K F M, aka Kill Fuck. Mary, one of my very <laughs> favorite songs on this new album. Maddie Diaz's new album is Weird Faith, her sixth full length and her 10th overall. I'm Carmel Holt. So those that don't know your history, Maddie, what can you tell us about how you and music met up? I have always loved songs so much. And I was really lucky to have a family that, you know, like kind of shared that love and we kind of just like listened to everything around the house. My brother was into one thing. My dad was into another thing. My mom was into another thing. I was into another thing. And we all just got to like feed off of each other, which was like really fun growing up. And yeah, at some point, like I think when you're a kid, your parents are obsessed with your dexterity. And so my dad was like, piano, two things, (laughs) two hands, a whole bunch of stuff. So I started learning that when I was little, but eventually, you know, the guitar is like much more portable and like considerably cooler when you're like 12. (laughs) So started playing that and just like wanting to learn every song that I heard and like that whole record lived through this was like just in my blood, like so literally, like I was like getting my period for the first time when I was like 13 years old and was just like literally like in a fetal position, like with my disc man next to my face, my headphones on and just like, <laughs> you know, just like raging yes. the corny love, like, ah, yes. <laughs> so good. And like, and so Kathleen good. Hannah was like another really big one, like growing up, but then like all of the Dixie Chicks, like wide open spaces was, you know, like my more floral moments. And yeah, I don't know. That was, that was, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> Those were my gateway drugs. <laughs> and then you ended up going to Berkeley. So is it okay if we talk about Berkeley? We can talk about I've Berkeley. I've had a few yeah. conversations. Okay, good. Because I've had a couple <laughs> conversations, more than a few conversations with Berkeley grads and Berkeley dropouts. I think you're a Berkeley dropout. If I'm getting I right. am a dropout. You... That's true. <laughs> okay, cool. Here, here. I honestly, I'm, like, I'm, I can't, I, I can't believe that they let me in because I didn't graduate from high school when I got into Berkeley. I don't still know if I have a high school diploma. It, I was homeschooled for like my whole life. And I think they were just like, you know, we missed a couple things, but Berkeley was already like, yeah, come on, let's go. <laughs> so I'm kind of like an everything dropout. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the best artists are, I think. So what was your experience of doing the music program at Berkeley? I think I had the best experience in some moments and just the worst experience in other moments. I absolutely loved being surrounded by music. That was like the coolest thing ever to me that like you're just there with like thousands and thousands of kids that are just like shredding face in practice rooms and just like, you know, the whole, every hour can be something different and new and focused about, you know, this passion that you guys all share together. And like, I had some incredible teachers that were just totally so nurturing and like life altering. And then, you know, I had, I had the adverse experience of just like, this is exhausting. And I had a couple teachers that were just like really kind of narrow-minded in like the approach of certain topics. And, you know, to everyone's credit, like I I was like working a full-time job bartending at the poorhouse on Boylston Street. And the poorhouse was like, you know, luckily right next door to like a lot of the Berkeley buildings. It's like, you know, centered in that sort of like, you know, Mass Ave Boylston intersection area. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like easy for me to get to work, but I was also just like working a full-time bartending schedule in addition to going to school full-time. And I just kind of like burnt out. I think I burnt myself out, but you know, like it was also like, it's difficult to like work a school system while you're in school and trying to like pay your own bills within the school system. Like it's exhausting to look for help, like to find the resources and to find the right channels of people to talk to. And then it's like exhausting to apply for the help 
And then, you know, at some point I was just like, why am I killing myself trying to be here if I had a scholarship for two years and it finished and I wasn't allowed to reapply for a scholarship. And I was just like, this is stupid. I just want to write songs at this point. So yeah, I left. But I really did like the first two years were absolutely like I still and I still have like some of my closest friends and people that I play with, like, you know, my touring partner, Adam Popic, who I've been playing music with for 18 years at this point, which is insane to think about <laughs> that we've known each other for this long. Oh, shit. It's 20 years. It's been 20 years. Yep, it's 20 years. But some of my longest friendships and deepest friendships, you know, came from that experience and started at that school. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I mean, that's so good to hear. I've, of course, heard both sides before, too. Uh, most amazing and also sometimes so discouraging. Totally. I don't know if you did any of production engineering stuff at Berkeley, but I've spoken with a couple of women that went through Berkeley and wanted to enter into that arena a little bit and were so outnumbered. It was like on every <laughs> totally. level. and. Um, yep. <laughs> or if they wanted to study guitar. Like I've heard from some women that at Berkeley and you can this is a fact finding mission. Like, tell me what your experience is. I've heard that some women's experience was women are singers and yep. the boys study guitar. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, I that was exactly I wanted to enter as a guitar focus. And it was so daunting and hardcore and intimidating that I kind of just like shimmied my way out of that and went into the vocal department, which, you know, like I'm not that really either. So it, it was just kind of like trying to pick. It just wasn't easy. And I wish you didn't really have to pick. I wish it was kind of a little bit more nurtured in any one of those categories. But it's funny, even still, it was like I'd be hanging out, you know, in front of the 150 building and like waiting for class whatever whatever and like whatever dude would come up to me and be like what are you a singer and I'm like oh my god this is really happening to me right now like what are you a fucking asshole <laughs> what are you an asshole you know what I mean it just was the funniest like because you're a woman at a music school because you're a woman at Berkeley you must be a singer like that's you're a there singer. to be a you're there to be a diva you're not there to be a fucking rock star or a production engineer or a producer or whatever like or a tech no you're definitely you're definitely a diva <laughs> and not just like a singer but like a diva you know what I mean yes that's <laughs> like, the other thing that I've heard it's like not just a like you're not just a singer or yeah. in the vocal program but they want to make you into like Adele it's straight up like one of <laughs> one of my one of my one of my recital no shade things. Adele by the way no love shade Adele. no fucking love Adele thank God for Adele yeah like there was this one workshop that I had to do where like the jury of it was like my teacher made me sit on the piano she was like you have to sit like that is where you will be singing this song from and I'm just like no. but I would never do that you know what I mean but I would never do that. I mean, maybe, maybe I would now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's not like I'm not totally opposed to the idea of like, you know. Throwing uh, a little schmaltz on it. Holy Lana crap. Lana Del like, Rey did it. Dude, yeah, like that. Fine. there's that Kate Bush video too where she's like in that yes. like gold onesie thing and her hair so is hot. amazing and giant. And she's just like rolling around on the ground. Like maybe at this point in my artist career, like I could totally see myself like pushing in that direction. But like at that point, I was like. Right. But like, why am I on the piano? Like, why am I a woman and you're putting me on the piano? Like, there's just so much that like, unless we're going to have a full ass discussion about like, why, like the intention behind this and like the exercise that this is, you know what I mean? Like, if it's for an exercise, I'm kind of all for it. Like, yeah, you should be standing on a piano. You should be standing on a guitar amp. You should be like fucking breaking shit. Like there could be a billion different ways that you explore this idea. But like the idea that like, I am here to be a diva. I am a woman. And now you're going to put me on a piano to just like sing a song and perform. Like, it's so one dimensional. Like, why would we? What is that? <laughs> why are we doing that? Um, I'm what sorry. Is that? Objectification much? Like, right. What does what? that accomplish? Yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's silly. It's totally uh, silly. Wow. I, of course, now want to write a big, long letter to Berkeley. Oh, my God. I also, to. like, I remember at some point, like, having, like, this dude that was, like, a light stalker and, like, reporting it to, like, the front desk, like, multiple times. But, like, it was like they didn't have anything to do about it. You know what I mean? Like, they just were, like, that sounds 
hard or whatever. And I was just like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's, that is, it is, it is hard. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, oh my God. Right. I guess there's nothing that, uh, I guess I'm just going to pretend that this isn't happening to me and go on with my life. Like it was just, you know, like stuff like that, man. Like it's, it's like, but you know, I don't want to throw shade directly at Berkeley. I feel like there are lots of colleges that go out of their way to not protect women. So like, you know what I mean? Like, well, right. And I was just going to say, this is just one. Yes. No, no, no. Not unique to Berkeley at all. So like, (laughs) sorry, Berkeley, you're not so special. I've heard of this happening at NYU. I had somebody on who's actually a couple of folks who've been through the NYU Tisch School of Music. Right. Well, and it's like, don't you want to be special for like the opposite though? You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's pick a different thing to be special about. Gosh, how cool would it be to have a whole music school that was for non-males preparing the non-male students for what for the, the male music world industry is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like right, but then if we divide it like that, I think simultaneously dudes are going to lose out on witnessing what we go through and having potential growth on their side. Yes. That's how I feel about anything that is like sp- any group specific, you know what I mean? Like you're right. thing that you're right. it just is tough. We all literally just have to figure out how to get in the pile together. Like I don't think it'll work to parse any of us off in any direction. Like we really are stronger as a whole unit and like we're going to have to figure that out. It sucks. <laughs> Allison Russell, I quoted her earlier today. Her whole thing is calling in instead of calling out, which I think is hell. Yeah. You know, and it drives me crazy that like, for example, so let's just take this particular show, this this conversation, this ongoing conversation as an example, people being like, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure that like women love your show or like our the on public radio they'll be like you know like i'm i'm sure that like the women in our audience will love your show and i'm just like no that's an echo chamber it's yes. actually this show is for non women yeah totally <laughs> this show is for people who don't have this experience yeah. and want to yep. be good allies and yes. want to make music better for everybody. Yes. Women know how to woman. Like, yes. <laughs> this is <laughs> men don't know how to woman. They don't. Right. But <laughs> we know nice. how to men. We, we know how, we have we to know how to men. We, we have oh. to know how to man. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> Well, how many of us grew up? Whoa, whoa, whoa! How many of us grew up being like, I don't really have many female friends. I just hang out with a bunch of dudes, bro. Right? Yeah, it's so real. I mean, that might be my greatest issue in most of my relationships. (laughs) I can man better than you can. (laughs) How is that not a country thing? Oh, because country music, right? 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 (laughs) Why isn't that a country hit? Oh, literally because of the way country music. Is (laughs) is <laughs> word. <laughs> oh my god! Holy shit! We got to play another song. We got to do the Shiro's magic wand. We have a lot of work to do, Maddie. Let's do this, man. Where should we go next? What do you want to play? Here for it. What do I want to play? I can play anything that you I want to play. Pick. You pick. You pick. Ugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so tough. What about obsessive thoughts? That'll make Christian happy. And, you know, like, I really just want to make Christian happy sometimes. This one's for you, Christian. I love you. (laughs) Can you set this song up for the people? What do you want to tell us about obsessive thoughts? Oh, I love this. We've played the opener and the closer. Oh, man. Bookends. (laughs) Obsessive thoughts is kind of like the thesis statement. I feel like weird faith is like the mantra of the record to, you know, walk through all of these difficult moments, these like very reactive moments with weird faith as the armor and obsessive thoughts is kind of like the thesis and statement, which is basically like, and why do I just get stuck in these moments and turn them and spool them into oblivion?
Obsessive Thoughts, the final track on Maddie Diaz's Maddie, that's hard to say. Maddie Diaz's. Maddie Diaz's. <laughs> Many the of new me. Ma- <laughs> on the Maddie Diaz new album, Weird Faith. Uh, she's our guest today on Shiro's, and I'm Carmel Holt, who hasn't had obsessive thoughts, especially in the middle of the night, and especially about a love and all of the weird psychology that comes up along with this. Is this like a chronicle of one relationship? Is it an amalgam? And is this person still in your life? It is definitely centered around one relationship, but it also points towards, you know, this new relationship that I have with myself. It points towards this new relationship that I have with my music career because so much fresh new energy has been coming into that, that, you know, like I haven't had the opportunity to welcome into my life for a really long time. And it's like the relationship that I was in, it's like, how do I not bring like the 12 plus years of baggage in my history with this thing forward and lead with fear and strong arm every single thing that comes towards me, you know, just like welcome in the love and welcome in the excitement and welcome in the good feelings. Right. And also like, know if I want to. Right. Literally. And like, I'm so terrified, you know, like when I was starting to see this person that, yeah, the record is centered around one person specifically and we are no longer together. But when I started to see this person, my friends were like, you're falling in love. Like, this is so amazing. Like, this is so exciting. And it's got to be just the most fun. Like, this is the best part. Like, if you can't enjoy the beginning, what are you going to do? And I was just like, how can you enjoy the beginning of something so wonderful if you are so freaked the fuck out the entire time? And so a lot of this record is that. It's like, how can I hold my excitement and like honor the hurt parts of me that like are there because something happened, you know? Like it's not that nothing happened, like so much has happened and it's not this guy's fault and it's not my fault and it's, you know, nobody's fault, but like how can I sit with myself in all of that? And if you could draw, I mean, I'm already doing it. Sorry to psychoanalyze you. Love it. Um, (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Armchair psychologist Dr. Holt is in. Like the parallel (laughs) that we full circle started this conversation, like the parallel of how can you and how does one continue and find that faith in an industry that is still not super welcoming to us or fair or equal with all the knowledge that we've gained. You can't like unsee it. Your eyes have been opened. You've been in it now, as you said, you know, 15, well, 20 years, 20 years with Adam. (laughs) So yeah. How do you find that weird faith to keep going in this career? I think it's knowing that Every single woman that is in this, you know, currently we're here to carve the path of everybody that is behind us. And that means that there were, you know, thousands that came before us and knowing that just being here and like sticking in it, it just does, it does make a difference and it does matter. And we see little wins all the time and like every little win, I don't know, it it means something. And Yeah, man, like I think every time I get like super discouraged, I'm really lucky to have like a really supportive little brother that like will send me videos of like Bjork talking about, you know, what it's like to be a quote woman in the industry or, you know, send me videos of like Fiona Apple talking about, you know, quote, what it's like to be an artist out here and like how much their words have echoed into history and echoed like through me into my life. And it gives me the inspiration to kind of like, I don't know. And then my anxious body is like, we're going forward. So you better hold on, girl. (laughs) We're going out on stage with Harry Styles. Fuck everything. You're doing it, dude. You're just here for the ride. (laughs) Maddie, it's been so awesome to hang out with you. Before I let you run and get out of this psycho babble conversation. That's my favorite. <laughs> You're lucky we didn't start talking about astrology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time, next time. <laughs> next time. Mark my words, okay? If it's the last thing I do, I need to do a podcast that is musicians and astrology together. Oh, man. Can I just say really quickly on the astrology yeah. tip? The record does come out February 9th. 
which is a new moon, which is crazy. So I'm just really excited about whatever is happening there. It's just like very strange and coincidental. And like, I'm trying not to get like in my head about it, but there's like a whole thing about like Taurus and February 9th and, and this new moon. And here we go. Let's do it. (laughs) So before we wrap up, Shiro's magic wand time. Okay. If I handed you the Shiro's magic wand and I said, here, Maddie, have the Shiro's magic wand. It's a little heavy, so just be ready. Okay. The wave of the wand, you could change anything in the music industry for women, non-binary, genderqueer folks. First wave of the wand, what would you change? I would change it for songwriters' rights. I think songwriters are the most unsung of the music industry and get shafted the most as far as not just recognition, but additionally, like, you know, I can't even remember what the splits are, you know, as far as like when Spotify sends out checks at the end of the month to the songwriters, it's like 0.0007 cents on a single play. And it's really sad to me that, sorry, I'm not trying to call out Spotify you know, it's the same with Apple Music. It's the same with any streaming platform. Any streaming platform pays the songwriters the smallest amount. And the reality of that is that none of us would have jobs if songs didn't exist. Point blank. None of us would be here if a song was not born every day. And the fact that songwriters just get glossed over, blown past. I mean, just we don't even where are they? I don't know. <laughs> They're important. So is this in terms of like songwriters of your own work? Is it songwriters for others, like Music Row songwriters? Songwriters in every capacity. Songwriters for Disney. Songwriters for XYZ rock and roll song that you've heard. Songwriters for your favorite band, like pop songwriters, country songwriters, female songwriters, male songwriters. I don't think that songwriters are protected I think the music industry deals that songwriters sign to have careers are not nice. <laughs> they're, they're just not nice. They're mean. To have the voice in this industry, to have the thing to say that everybody runs with, you know, booking agents wouldn't have jobs. Managers wouldn't have jobs. We would have nothing to talk about. I would have nothing to sing. Right. You know what I mean? Like fans would have nothing to sing. Like it would be nowhere if it didn't start with the song. And I just, I feel like we could just do a better job protecting songwriters. It's like the Screenwriters Guild strikes that were, you know, happening last year. I think it's the same exact thing. And I wish that it was possible for songwriters to unionize, but because of the way deals, deals because of the way deals are structured and because everybody is an independent Ooh. contractor, it's made it so we are inherently screwed by the system and we are all out for ourselves. And that is sad to me. <laughs> that comes back to what you were saying before. Like, we need to all get in the pile, right? Yeah, we all yep. need to come, it's come tough. together. It's tough because when there is any sort of potential of a songwriter strike, there are so many people that are willing to, like, undercut that and, like, be the scabbers of, you know what I mean, <laughs> of any mm-hmm. sort of potential of unionizing. And it's brought the songwriter's value down so intensely and I don't even really know where to start to change things. I don't think anybody really does, but but here we are. <laughs> Maddie Diaz, great wish. What do you want to close with today? One more pick. One Take more pick. One more pick. Ah, let me think. Is it okay if we finish with Don't Do Me Good with Casey singing on it because she's a friend yes. and it's just nice to end on friendship? And, you know, woman stuff and like, yeah, strength together. <laughs>
With thanks once again to Maddie Diaz. Thank you so much. Come back soon. Thank you so much for having me. Many thanks to Maddie Diaz for being with us. Her sixth full-length album, Weird Faith, is out now on Anti Records. Catch Maddie out on tour right now. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at She Rose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us grow and bring you more She Rose. Until next time, remember... Music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.